0: Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in search for hashtag blessed just on Instagram this week and it came back with one hundred and forty three million different hits okay so there are at least one hundred and forty three million people that are feeling blessed out there in the world right now and they 're tagging that with a hashtag and if you look at those different posts and our our ideas and our culture like it 's gone way beyond just church I think that the idea of being blessed obviously did originate with Jesus and with the church and with the word of God but now it 's a part of our cultural zeitgeist and hashtag blessed can can, be, can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And you start going through those posts and it becomes pretty apparent that usually for us it's talking about, it's talking about stuff and things, right? Like, oh, maybe it was a, a cruise to the Bahamas in January. Somebody say praise the Lord, right? Like, when we live in the Maritimes, like, that's, that's hashtag blessed. Like, some people it's as simple as, man, I went to Canadian Tire and lug nuts were on for half price, hashtag blessed, Right? Maybe uh, my kid's graduating next year. I never thought it would happen, but thanks to the grace of God, he's graduating next year, hashtag, or next month, hashtag blessed. And then the double blessing is he moves out in two months. Double blessing, right? Hashtag double blessed, hashtag my man cave, finally, right? And, uh, you know, we've got all different kinds of ideas and concepts of what we think it means to be blessed. And I couldn't help but prepare for this scripture and this, this sermon today. And as I was studying to think through what did Jesus mean when he said, You will be blessed. And when we read through these beatitudes, like the word beatitude, literally just translated from the Latin, it means blessed are. These are the blessed are statements. These are the blessed are attitudes. And I thought, you know what? Do I really just need more stuff in my life? Is that what being blessed is all about? Like, do I need more money? Do I need a faster car and a bigger house and more frequent, luxurious vacations? You know what? The carnal side of Andy Broad says, heck yes, I do. I need all those things, right? Like, if there's a blessing buffet, I'm taking a scoop of everything, brother, but... I think when it comes to blessing what it actually means is we would do much better to listen to the words of Jesus than we would to listen to our own appetites and desires, right? Certainly better than listening to mine. And so I think what Jesus is referring to here in these Beatitudes as we get into it is is an idea of this perpetual state of blessedness. And I think that's our, our goal for all of us, isn't it? Like everyone you know in this world and in this life is just trying to get to a place where they just feel like everything is good and I'm blessed. And I don't think, I think that's one place that us and Jesus may agree. So I want us just to look at this passage together. Again, if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 5, some of you are following along in version, and that's awesome. you get got your paper copy, that's great too. This is the New International Version, Matthew chapter 5. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountainside, And sat down. So like he literally, like there was no microphones back then, no amplification. So up on a hillside, sort of his voice would kind of just naturally cascade down and carry to these thousands of people that had come to hear it. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, these crowds. And he said, famous words here that so many of us know, even if you're not really familiar with church, you've heard many of these statements. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you or persecute you or falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. This is what it means to be blessed. These are the blessed are attitudes from the, from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. And you know what, before we really dive in and start unpacking these blessed R statements, it's so important that we understand this in the context of what Jesus said just a few verses earlier at the conclusion of chapter four. Chapter four, verse 17. Brent preached on it just last week. You remember he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus said the words the end of chapter four, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he went on to deliver the sermon on the mount. Jesus was saying this promised kingdom of heaven. We all know that someday Jesus promised to come back, right? Jesus came, died on a cross, rose again. We celebrate that on Easter. It was around for a little bit longer and he ascended back to heaven and left his church established and in charge of his disciples. But he said, I'm coming back one day and when I do, I will make all things new. Amen? And we're all looking forward to that. The day when he reestablishes his creation. He sets it back and puts it back in order the way that it was intended to be. Jesus just said a few verses earlier, repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. It's what he's talking about. And while we still wait for that reality, at the same time Jesus is saying, heaven is invading earth. Heaven is invading our present reality as well, right? It's kind of like Doctor Strange in the multiverse a little bit, but just hang with me for a second. Like, Pastor Brent preached on this just last week if you were here. Like, when heaven shows up in our world, in our reality, something is just captivating about it, right? Like when heaven shows up and when heaven moves, like Lindsay was saying, sharing that story of the man whose, whose ear was healed. Like he had a hearing loss for, I think it was two years that he carried that. And then God healed it in a moment because as people decided just to pray and just to ask and just to believe. Like when heaven shows up on earth, like you cannot deny its power. You cannot deny its majesty. And when Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is near, he was saying we're pulling that future reality that we're all headed towards, that trajectory that we're on. But as followers of Jesus, we can pull a little bit of heaven down to earth in the meantime. Jesus did that. All those miracles were pointing to something greater, to a coming day when things would be made whole and right and perfect again. And Jesus says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near, and it's now. And then he begins to describe all of these blessed our statements. He's saying, this is what happens when heaven shows up. This is what it looks like when heaven shows up in your life. Blessed are these kinds of people. Here's what happens in your life when you fix your eyes on the kingdom of heaven, not on the kingdom and reality that's around you right now. These are the eight traits the supernatural traits of the followers of Jesus, they're supernatural because you can't just decide one day to be meek and humble in spirit. You can't just decide one day to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be merciful, pure in heart, to be a peacemaker. These are supernatural qualities that the spirit brings to fruition in your life. you got to understand this, church. If you just, just give me another second here because we have to lay this this groundwork. If you don't understand that these aren't things that you can do on your own, These aren't things that I can do on my own. These aren't a list of things that we have to try to do to get ourselves into God's good graces. What we need to do is to surrender to his Holy Spirit and his work in our life, and then he will begin to cultivate these things within us and through us. Amen? Like, Like, I'm so excited for next month, for Holy Spirit Month and this new series in the month of June. Like, we are gonna go after this and ask God to bring these things to fruition in our life, and it's only in full surrender to him that we ever see it happen. These are not this is not idealism. Because sometimes we read this and go, yeah, sure. Life would be great, Pastor Andy, if people would be a little bit more merciful, a little bit more pure, peacemakers, righteous, meek, all of it. Like it's but it's idealistic that our world doesn't work that way. It's not actually attainable in our life. And Jesus says, no, 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 it is. You just need to trust me for it, right? And it's not legalism. It's not things you have to try to do. It's the work, the fruit of the spirit in your life. So understanding that, understanding these supernatural traits, we can better understand what it truly means to be blessed. Jesus didn't come searching for people who already possessed all of these qualities so that he could use them. He came searching for people that were willing to submit to him and surrender to him so that he could begin to do these works in their lives. Are, like, are, you, are we understanding that? Does we have a, a good grasp of a concept of that? Like, This is what Jesus is saying. None of this is going to matter or pertain unless we understand that and we understand that reality. This is what Jesus was saying. This is the work I want to do within you. And then he begins to lead into these beatitudes. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying blessed are the people who realize that I've got nothing and I ain't nothing and I ain't got nothing to offer. My mom would Hate that, the grammar that I'm using right now, right? Like Blessed are the people who realize that it's not about them. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the people that realize that they don't have to have it all together. It's not about their bank accounts. It's not about their stock portfolio. It's not about how much Bitcoin you've got in your digital wallet. It's not about the balance in your checking account. It's about your perspective on a heavenly economy. It's about realizing that it's not about the things that I can achieve and all the degrees that I can put on my wall and all the things that I can accomplish in my life and all the things that people will clap and applaud for and say, wow, what an amazing person he is. And look at all the things that they accomplished in their life and look at all the things that she's done. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones that realize that it's not about them, it's not about what they can do and it's not about what they have. Blessed are the ones who have a heavenly perspective. You know what? You don't have to be poor in this kingdom to be rich in the kingdom of heaven, all right? Some of you are like, oh, man. Pastor, I thought my negative balance on my checking account meant I was automatically, like, blessed by God. Like, that's, that's not what he's saying. Like, you can have things in this life. You can have things in this world. And so many people, even in, I can think of people in our church family, that God has just given them this innate ability to generate wealth. And God uses that. And he blesses them so that they can be a blessing to others. But Jesus did say, and you've all heard this, that one time Jesus just made the statement. He said it's actually easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And what he was saying there is the harder this kingdom and this world pulls against us and the more we focus on it and the more we focus to to build up our own earthly kingdoms here, the harder it is to focus on the kingdom of heaven and pull that into our current reality, all right? The prophet Christopher Wallace put it like this, mo' money, mo' problems, all right? More money, more problems. And now, while I would not, uh, a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. The Notorious B.I.G., while I would not normally recommend taking financial advice from a hip-hop song, uh, Biggie was on to something here, okay? Because the more we have the more split and divided our focus tends to become. And you can do it, and you can hold the balance. It's just the, the more we're entrusted with in this world, the more heavenly perspective we need in our life. It's pretty easy for me to trust that God's got this when I've got no money in the bank, right? But when you've got a bunch of money in the bank, you can easily rely on yourself. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who realize that it's not about them. Jesus is pointing us in, calling us In that direction. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the mourning. Blessed are the mourning for they will be comforted, Jesus said. You know, those of us who find ourselves in a a stage of grief, grief is one of the most powerful emotions. I, I don't think that grief can kill you, but it will make you feel like it can kill you. Right? Those of you who've had to walk that road, I can think of so many in our church family, even in the, last, in the last couple of years, that have just been asked to walk a very, very difficult road in a season of mourning. Like What a comfort it is right on the surface level when Jesus says those words, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That's a promise of God. You can take that to the bank, absolutely. C.S. Lewis put it like this. It's very simply in his book, The Problem of Pain. God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. There is something about a season of pain and grief and mourning where God can and will speak to us if we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. There's something he can do in those seasons that's very difficult to achieve otherwise. And the promise is all throughout Scripture, whenever you read about mourning, the promise is always that mourning will eventually lead to rejoicing. The psalmist said that, that weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? And the promise of Jesus is that the seasons of mourning and grief that we find ourselves in will always lead to life on the other side if we trust him for it and we believe in him for it. Even Jesus himself was, was acquainted with our grief. We sang that in one of our songs this morning in worship. Like, he knows what you're feeling and what you're going through. He doesn't ask us to walk those roads alone. Like even in the Garden of Gethsemane, like before he was crucified, Jesus had that moment in that prayer, maybe you remember it, where he literally said, God, please allow this cup to pass from me. I don't want to go to this cross. I don't want to be tortured. I don't want to die. I don't want to experience this pain. He was in such anguish that he literally sweat drops of blood, kind of like I'm sweating in here because the air conditioner is broken, okay? Jesus literally sweat drops of blood. It's, an, like, it's a medical condition. You can look it up, like you can be in such a state of anguish that your, your, your blood vessels begin to burst and mix with your sweat, like Jesus knows your pain. He did that for you. There's nothing we can experience to go through in this life that Jesus cannot and will not relate to. And when will we be ultimately comforted? When will we no longer have to deal? Like, again. We know, remember, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We know that that promised kingdom is coming, but we're still left to deal with things like brokenness and pain and death and sorrow. But Jesus said, hey, one day, book of Revelation, remember that? Revelation chapter 21, Brent led us through that whole book and that whole series. Revelation 21 said he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death or any mourning or any crying or any pain. This is our promise, and the promise... Of Jesus Jesus is speaking to that coming reality but also our present reality blessed are the ones who mourn because we realize that you know what I can't do this on my own but I need Jesus at work in my life blessed are the mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth don't you love this so you can know if you're like me you can check it off and you know when I'm gonna be done so we're getting there we're getting there okay Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. First thing we got to do is say, what the heck does the word meek mean? Because we don't really use that a whole lot in our, in our vernacular these days, do we? Like, and if we do, it's usually not in a positive sense. It's usually negative. I punch it into Webster just to see what Webster's dictionary has to say, and it defines meek this way. Quiet, gentle, easily imposed upon, and submissive. Now, I don't think that's what, maybe one of those words applies to what Jesus is saying here, but I don't think when Jesus was teaching this, that's what he had in mind. You know what? I learned something incredible when I was preparing for this sermon, something just amazing that blew my mind. Only two people in all of Scripture, all 66 books that we have, all collected together in what we call the Bible, 66 different books, the Old Testament and the New Testament, in all of those 66 books, only two people are referred to as meek. Use the same word to describe as what Jesus is saying here in the Beatitudes. We said, "Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know who those two people are? I'm going to tell you. If you don't know, I'm going to tell you, all right? Moses and Jesus himself. Moses and Jesus himself. So if that's, if that's the company that we're in when we're meek, then sign me up, baby. Right? Like Moses and Jesus, like the only two people, all the people in Scripture and only two of them are referred to as meek the way that Jesus is referring to here in Numbers. The book of Numbers is said about Moses. Now Moses was very humble. It's the same word translated here that Jesus is using for meek. Moses was, very hum- was a very humble man, more humble or meek than anyone on the face of the earth. You wonder why God used him so powerfully and moved through him so powerfully. In the book of Matthew, just a few chapters later, Jesus describes himself. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle or meek, the same word, gentle or meek and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is meek. Moses was meek. You know, I think that being meek doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean you're spineless. It doesn't mean you're gutless or wimpy or soft, the best meaning that I could come up with of what it means to be meek is actually strength that is under control. Strength that is leveraged for the good of the people around you, not for yourself. Because what do we wanna do when we get a little bit of strength and power? Naturally. We wanna use that to elevate ourselves, right? That's what our kingdom tells us to do. Use it for yourself. Elevate your own platform. Bring glory to yourself. And Jesus is saying, no, no, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the ones who know what they have, who know what they're capable of, who know what God has blessed them with and trusted them with, and they leverage that for the good of the people around them. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. You know, for us, we live in the tension because our culture, we idolize people who are successful on the surface, people who are pushy and grabby and power-wielding and self-asserting and controlling and dominant. Like, those are the kind of people that get ahead in our world, right? Those are the kind of people that succeed, and we elevate people like that. We even try to emulate people like that from time to time, and Jesus says, no, 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 actually, those people are just striving to try to win, try, striving to try to accomplish something, but the meek already have it. The meek already inherit the earth, the ones who know who they are in Jesus, the ones who leverage what they've been given, not for their own good or their own platform or their own success or their own achievements, but for the good of those around them. Jesus came to serve and not to conquer. He was meek and he calls us to meek. He said, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the ones who have the power of God in them but don't feel the need to flaunt it or lord it over someone else. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And uh, next one I want to highlight for us is uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is the crux. I think it's right in the middle. And then Pastor Brent said in the last couple of weeks that... um, in the, in the New Testament kind of culture, and scriptures, a lot of times the most important thing is in the middle. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is the crux, the bedrock of the entire Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes on to preach for three chapters. Do you think we preach a long time? All right, Jesus preached for three whole chapters. It was like hot in the Middle East and they were outside. But he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, we've got all kinds of appetites in our life. We know what it's like to be hungry. We know what it's like to desire something. We know what it's like to want something or to need something in our life. And Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for then they will be filled. So many things that we try to fill our lives with. Aren't there? So many things that we try to fill a void or fill a gap or get a quick fix or a hit of dopamine or whatever it is because we just want to be filled. And Jesus said, blessed are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. That's the promise The word righteous literally just means right relatedness, to be in right relationship with. And I think Jesus is saying, blessed are those who obviously are in right relationship with God himself. Blessed are those who are in right relationship with me, but blessed are those who are in right relationship with one another, with their spouse, with their kids, with their community, with their neighbors, with their church, with their home church. You know, one time the Pharisees tried to trick Jesus and asked him what the greatest commandments were in the Bible see if he would play favorites, and he summed it all up. He said, the first commandment, the greatest one, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second is a lot like it. You love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. Be in right relationship with God and right relationship with people. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know what? Again, these are not things that you strive to do on your own. These are things that come to fruition in your life, work, fruit of the spirit that God will cultivate and the Holy Spirit will cultivate in your life when you surrender to him. You are not in right relationship with God apart from the work of Jesus. Your sin separated you from God forever. If not for Jesus and what he did on the cross, you and I never stood a chance. And to be in right relationship with him, all we need to do is trust him and believe him for who he said he was and what he said he did on our behalf. Even in the Ten Commandments, like, this is not a legalistic to-do list. Even the Ten Commandments, like in the book of Exodus, when God was giving the Ten Commandments to Moses... He started off, before he listed off all those 10 things, he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He's talking about being in relationship. Then he go on, went on to say, don't have other gods before me. Don't worship idols. Don't take my name in vain. Honor the Sabbath. Honor your parents. Don't kill each other. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't be jealous of your neighbor's crap, right? But he went on to say all of that in context of relationship with him. He said, I am the Lord your God. Come to me, And then I will bring all these things to fruition in your life. Life with God, the blessed life, the good life, has these things on display. And it's accessible and it's attainable for every single one of us. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the people who try really hard to do all these things. Blessed are the people who try really hard to keep the Beatitudes. Blessed are the people who try really hard to keep the Ten Commandments. He said, blessed are the people who are defined by these things because they've surrendered to me and allowed me to do this work in their life. Saying people that are desperate for more of him in their life are the ones who will be filled, are the ones who will be satisfied. We were talking about it in that video, about Holy Spirit Month, right? When we encounter someone who we just see is, is at peace and just knows who they are and knows what they have and know what God has spoken over their life, just, there's just a peace that they have that is just absolutely irreplaceable. And that's what Jesus is referring to here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And then he goes on to say, blessed are the merciful. We like this one, right? That seems like... That, that, that seems to make sense. If some of these other ones seem upside down. That one seems to make sense to us, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And Jesus himself is mercy embodied. The book of Hebrews talks about him like this. Oh, nope, sorry, went a little bit too fast. The book of Hebrews talks about him like this. I want to read it. It says, uh, uh, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he may make, at- make atonement for the sins of of the people. You know what? We like to say this in church. Mercy is not getting what you deserve and grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Does that compute? Mercy is canceling debts. Mercy is getting away with something. Mercy is being let off the hook. Mercy cancels our debts. If you've ever had a debt canceled in your life, you know the freedom that can come from that. You know the freedom that that can bring in your life. And Jesus is saying, my mercy cancels debts. The debts that you owe, the book of Romans says that all of sin falls short of the glory of God. And then it says the wages of sin is death. Like the price for our sin is death. But Jesus gladly paid that on your behalf and canceled your debts. Amen. And what a freedom. What a blessing that is. And then Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. His mercies are new every single morning, church. We love that promise, don't we? You feel like you missed the mark last night? His mercies are new this morning. You feel like you missed the mark last week? His mercies are new every morning. Last year, new mercies. Last decade, new mercies. I talked to someone after the first service today, that's been following God for 60 years, and God was still working in their life and calling out areas where they needed new mercies. I mean, what an incredible gift it is, the new mercies of God that we only need to walk in and recognize every single day. In the next chapter, Matthew 6, Jesus goes on to say, still in the Sermon on the Mount, he makes a troubling statement that maybe you're familiar with. He essentially boils it down and says, if you forgive other people in your life, then I will forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from other people in your life, then I will withhold forgiveness from you. And that's a really strong and really troubling statement, if we're being honest. Like, I've struggled with that throughout my life. It's like, Jesus, are you really going to be that harsh? And I think what he's saying there and what he's getting at is until we actually understand how blessed we are and how much mercy he's shown us in our life, then we aren't able to extend that mercy to someone else. If we find ourselves still unable today in some area of our life to extend mercy then Jesus' invitation is to come back to the well and to drink deeply and understand the mercy that he has for you. Because once we understand the mercy that we've been shown, the true mercy that we've been shown, then forgiving the unforgivable actually becomes possible. Like you can think about the the deepest wound that's ever been inflicted in your life, like the worst thing that anyone's ever done to you, and maybe you've struggled to forgive that and reconcile it in your life. Forgiveness doesn't mean, by the way, allowing someone to continue hurting you. It just means you don't longer, and you no longer define yourself by what it was that they did to you. And you think about that horrible thing in your life, and Jesus is, what, I think what he's saying there in Matthew 6 is, if you can't bring yourself to show mercy in that circumstance, then you need to come back to the well and understand the mercy that I've shown you because when we have that perspective, when we pull that heavenly reality into our current lives, that's when things begin to change and shift. We can forgive the unforgivable only when the Spirit's at work in our life. So blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. I love what Pastor Darrell Johnson, he kind of wrote a paraphrase on this beatitude and I loved how he put it. He said, Blessed are those who have left behind the preoccupation with how they're doing and are simply captivated by Jesus. Like blessed are the people who have given up being like, oh, I can't forgive yet or I can't do that or I can't make that happen on my own. He says, no, no, it's not about anything you can do. It's just about being captivated by Jesus and allowing him to continue to speak wholeness over your life. So blessed are those who have left behind that preoccupation blessed are the merciful blessed are the pure in hearts all right some of you are like pastor if i'm being honest i don't feel very pure in hearts so if you knew me very well you wouldn't know but scriptures say blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god and all throughout scripture when you read it especially in the old testament you think of again. Moses, when he used to go up on Mount Sinai and speak to the Lord, and the Lord would give him direction, even the Ten Commandments, and he went back and, and spoke on God's behalf to the nation of Israel. Even then, Moses said, God, just let me, let me see you. Let me look upon your face. And God said, no, you can't handle this. Like, your human form wasn't designed to handle my unfiltered glory. There was one time when he literally placed Moses into the cleft of a rock, like a space between two rocks, and he passed by, and says the, the word says he covered him with his hand, and passed by and then once he had passed by he removed his hand so that Moses could see his back, but no one was allowed to see the face of God. And then yet we see here Jesus speaking in the New Testament, like, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I don't know about you, but my natural response is to read something like that and go like, okay, what are all the things that I'm doing wrong? What are all the ways that I'm messing up? Where are all the impurities in my life? Where are all the things that I'm allowing to stop me from seeing God? Where are all the ways that I'm following short? That I'm falling short. But again, Jesus isn't saying these are all the things you have to do. He's saying, come to me, seek me. Know me, follow after me, allow my spirit to work in my life in your life, and then I will begin to purify you. I will begin to make you righteous. It's like Daryl Johnson said, right? Don't worry about what you're doing. Just be captivated with the person of Jesus. He will make you pure. He will purify you. It's not about what you can do. All right. Someone just needs to hear that today. You need to stop trying so hard to be a good person, mostly because you're not. And I'm not either. Jesus is good. Jesus is so good. And he says, just come to me and I will begin to purify you. I'll begin to change you. I'll begin to heal you. I'll begin to fill those desires and appetites that you're so desperate for in your life. So blessed are the pure in heart. And then blessed are the peacemakers. You love this because you know I'm almost done, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This is like greeting card 101. You go buy a Christian greeting card somewhere and you see that all the time. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. The word that he's using here for peace is a word that's still used as a greeting in a lot of countries in our world today and cultures. It's shalom. We've all heard of it, right? Shalom, the perfect peace of God. Because when you and I think about peace, a lot of times we think of a feeling, like an inner feeling, like, oh, I'm, I'm... here at the cottage and I'm on the lake and I can hear the crickets and I'm, I'm so at peace right now. Or we think of it as like a, a state, like a lack of conflict, like world, world peace, peace between nations, right? But shalom transcends all of that and goes so much deeper than all of this peace, this perfect peace. That Jesus is talking about here, the shalom of God, it's, it refers to, to soundness and wholeness and well-being. It's, it's, it's all-encompassing. It's, it's ecological. It's psychological. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's physical. Like the perfect shalom of God is really what we're all longing for. Like the, the Buddhists, like, I think that's what they're trying to get at with, with, the, with achieving the state of nirvana, right? Like the, the, all humans, we just want to be at peace. We want to achieve perfection in our life. We want the shalom of God. And there are so many things, and we all know it, and we all, we've all been there, right? There are so many things that in this life and in this world we know that we can turn to for a quick fix and a hit of dopamine and something that will make us feel better in the temporal, and Jesus is saying... Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the shalom makers, for they will be called the children of God. They will be sons and daughters of the King. I love I love Luke chapter two fourteen. It's a it's a great little verse, and uh, we we read it a lot at Christmas time. Right, It's when all the angels showed up, like the host of them in the sky. They were telling the shepherds that Jesus was born. And what they say, they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. They're saying once God gets his glory, once our eyes are turned to him, once we desire him above all else, once we stop trying to make it on our own, once we stop trying to achieve something, once we stop the hustle and stop playing the game and just say, I need Jesus in my life. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Then it's peace to earth on those on whom his favor rests. Blessed are the peacemakers. When we give God his due glory and place him in his rightful place, his peace begins to flesh itself out in our life. Peacemakers are beatitude people, church. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then we're done with this. Jesus finishes off with something really simple that feels really good. Blessed are the persecuted, right? Blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven the persecuted inherit the kingdom of heaven it's the only one that Jesus repeats himself on this whole list he says blessed are the persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven but then he goes on in verse 11 to say blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me so he he keeps it he keeps it you know more general like all the other ones but then he really brings it home and says no 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 blessed are you blessed is Andy. Blessed are we when we're persecuted because of the name of Jesus. The only time Jesus repeats itself goes from they language to you language. In the gospel of John, Jesus said, if the world hates you, well, hey, just keep in mind that it hated me first. Like, so incredibly simple, right? That if we feel, if we feel like, you know, life is hard or or life is is difficult, or following Jesus isn't easy, or there's people in our lives that don't understand us and don't know why we make the choices we make, or we talk about Jesus, Jesus says, listen, they hated me, they hated me first. There's something about perfect righteousness that when we encounter it, like remember we talked about when heaven shows up, when we encounter something like that, just the purity of God just begins to expose things that are wrong it begins to expose rottenness and dysfunction and it does that in our life and it's a beautiful thing right that's why you don't need to worry about fixing your junk you come to Jesus and he'll begin to expose that and he'll begin to work on that for you he'll begin to make it possible to gain freedom in areas you never thought you could be free he'll take things from you that you thought you were going to carry with and struggle with your entire life when you bring it to him that's what he does Blessed are the persecuted. When things get exposed and rottenness gets exposed, yeah, there's something within us rises up and pushes against that, right? That's why, that's why, you know, some of us have walked that road ourselves. Like, we just held Jesus at an arm's length for a really long time because we just didn't want to have to address the things we knew we were going to have to address. And we didn't want to have to change things. We weren't willing to make the change. We weren't willing to give God his due glory. We weren't willing to place him at the highest place in our life. We weren't willing to choose his way over our way yet. And sometimes when people are encountered with that, it just exposes the worst within us. And it's not their fault. Jesus hung on the cross and what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they've done. They don't know what they're doing. Blessed are the persecuted. I love uh, and Daryl Johnson again. This week as I was studying, he's got a great book, it's called The Beatitudes, I totally recommend it. Daryl Johnson's a pastor in Vancouver, he's preached here at our church before. He said it like this, he said, somewhere along the way we have to come to terms with the fact that the cross is not only our source of new life in Christ, but it's also the pattern of our new life in Christ. There, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, Right? Maybe being blessed doesn't mean my life is always easy. It doesn't mean my life is always comfortable, but it does mean my life will be fulfilled. And it will have meaning and significance. And I'll have a sense of purpose and understanding of who I am and who God says I, who God says I am. And what he wants to do with my life that I could never ever find on my own. Being blessed isn't a feeling. Being blessed isn't something that we experience it's a state in which we exist. It's something that God has spoken over us, something that he brings to fruition in your life. And just as we as we close with this today and just, just think about these different traits of Jesus at work in our life, I just want us to pray and just invite God just to begin a new work, do a new work in us, like for all of us, every single one of us. But I did feel like very just really strongly that there were three Categories of people that Jesus just wanted to speak to uh, this weekend. Maybe you're here in the room, maybe you're online watching this, maybe you're watching this six months later, I don't know, but very specifically, and I'm not a heretic, let me say that, right? I'm not adding to the scriptures here, but I think there were three specific rhema, blessed are statements that Jesus wanted to make for us today. The first is this, blessed are the ones, blessed are the ones who surrender. Blessed are the ones who fully surrender. Some of us have been you know, around church for a long, long time. Maybe your wife has been dragging you to church for 10 years now, and you're here, and you're like, you would even say, I believe all of this stuff, Pastor Andy. Like, I believe all of that's true. I believe what the Bible says is true, but you've just never cared enough to allow it to actually penetrate your heart and mind in a way that it required you to change and to shift some things. You never actually allowed God to break through in your life. And I feel like today, Jesus just wants to say, like, blessed are those who surrender. That there's somebody who wants to just finally surrender for the first time, who finally wants to just give God the glory that he's due to put him on the throne of their life, to stop trying to make it happen on our own, to stop living for ourselves, and just to fully surrender. So that's, that's one category. Blessed are those who surrender. Two more. Blessed are, the ones, blessed are the ones who return home. Some of us surrendered a long, long time ago, but somewhere along the way, we just we lost sight of what mattered. Everything that's had, our present reality, kingdom culture, like our earthly culture just distracted us, and we forgot about the kingdom of heaven. We forgot that our whole job and purpose was to pull it into the now, and somewhere along the way, we just lost sight of it. And I even felt like, maybe someone's watching this right now in your kitchen. You've got it on in the background, and God just said, if you just put down the knife for just a second, I just want to encounter you with my presence. I just want to arrest you even right now in a moment that God's not upset at you He's not upset for the time that you've been gone. You feel like I've wasted so much and I can't get it back. And Jesus says, no, 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 I wanna redeem all of it. It's not too late. Blessed are the ones who come home. And blessed are the ones who persevere. And this might be the most of us today. Like some of us are just tired, right? Some of us are just tired and worn out. Sometimes it just feels like, like, Andy, I'm I'm trying to follow Jesus. Like I, I wanna see these things in my life. I want all of this on display in my life, but it's just hard sometimes. Like, Sometimes it feels like I try to do the right thing and I see all kinds of people around me who are just doing everything wrong. Everything the opposite of what you say, Jesus. And for some reason, it seems like they're getting ahead. If for some reason, it feels like they're succeeding in this life and I'm failing and falling behind. And I feel like Jesus just wanted to say, blessed, blessed are the ones who persevere today. Jesus said, those who remain in me will bear much fruit. And those who will take him at his word will experience the goodness and the fulfillment of his promise. So blessed are the ones who surrender. Blessed are the ones who return home. And blessed are the ones who persevere. Would you stand with me today? Uh, and we're just going to pray and just ask God to, to bless us. Just very simply to bless us. And to show us what it really means to be blessed. Amen. I don't know about you, but I need, I need some work in this area of my life. So Father, today we just pray your blessing on your church And Jesus, we thank you that you made it crystal clear what it means to be blessed by you. You made it crystal clear what it means to be used by you. You made it crystal clear what it means to walk in your kingdom and heavenly reality. You said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And God, I pray that you would bless the ones who surrender for the first time. God, bless the ones who give up the fight. Bless the ones who end the striving. Bless the ones who end this need for validation God, bless the ones who end the need for vindication, Jesus, that we would bring our lives to you and lay them at your feet and say, have your way. Give you the glory that is due your name. God, bless, bless the ones who come home Bless the ones who have been away. Bless the ones who have lost away. Bless the prodigals, Father. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that you aren't upset at us. Thank you that you're not punishing us. Thank you that you don't look on us with anger or disdain, but you celebrate when we come home when we return to you, Father. Blessed are the ones who return. Bless are the ones who follow your voice. Bless are the ones who come home. And, Father, bless are the ones who persevere. I pray that you would just give a new level of strength, To my brothers and sisters today, God, those who are tired, those who are weary, those who just feel like, I don't know if I can do it another day, Jesus, God, when they take you at your word, when they remain in you, God, would you bring this fruit to bear in their lives? Would you bring the Beatitudes to bear in their lives, God, so that you can use them to do amazing things, so that you can use them to be like Moses, lead their communities and their families out of poverty and out of slavery? God, use them to speak power. Even as they just stop and trust you to pray over someone passing on the street, God, that you would speak words of power and life over them and through them. God, we thank you for this. Thank you, God, for the, for the just removing of pressure in our life that we, we can't do this on our own. We, we cannot do this without you, Jesus. So would you fill us? Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your strength. Fill us with your power. And may we be sent out. May we be sent out to be peacemakers. May we be sent out to be merciful. May we be sent out to be meek and gentle and humble and righteous and poor in spirit and to comfort those who are in mourning. Father, we thank you, Jesus, and we pray it in your name, amen.